Okay, we're starting off today, um, going through the Gemara. We brought a bunch of rayas. Ayin Tachas Ayin means money. Um, that being said, we're probably only going to get through the first two proofs today. Um, so let's go. Tanya Rabbi Destoy Ben Yehuda Aimer. Starting a brayas, Rabbi Yehuda Ben Destoy says as follows: Ayin Tachas Ayin Mammon. When the Torah says an eye for an eye, it means you have to give money for the eye you took. Ata Aimer Mammon. You're saying that it means you pay money. Oh, Eno Elamayin Mamish. Maybe it really means, literally, you give him the eye for the eye that you took. Amras, because you would say, Let's say the eye of the attacker was big and the eye of the victim was small. If that would be the case, How would then, would I go ahead and fulfill the precedent of an eye for an eye? An eye for an eye implies that they're of equal size, you, you know, similar eyes. So if one is much larger than the other... One smaller than the other, so then that's not a fulfillment of ayin tachas ayin. They're different size, so therefore you have to pay money. What are you going to say? It depends. If they're equal sized eyes, then we'll go with the literal translation of the pasuk, an eye for an eye. But if they're not equal sized eyes, they're different sizes. That's when we take mammon. That's when we take money in lieu of the eye. That can't be, says the Gemara. Why not? The Torah says that there has to be that there's only one punishment per Avera. Each Avera has its own punishment unique to that Avera. And therefore, that punishment has to be Shavala Kulchem. It has to be universally applicable. So therefore, it either has to be eye for eye is able to be done literally. That can't be. Someone's eye is bigger than someone else's. And therefore, it has to mean money. That's the story of Yehuda's proof. Comes along the Gemara and pushes aside the proof. Amri, my kushi. He said, "What's the difficulty? Why is that hard?" Maybe the attacker. What did he take away? You're right. He took away an eye. But what's the value of an eye? The ability to see. So maybe Nahura shaklamine. Maybe he took away his vision. So Nahura amirachmana nishkalmine. Therefore, the Torah says, as retribution, we should also take away your ability to see. So granted, the eyes might be different, but the eyes are both seeing. If that's the case, that means that there's actually a mishpat ha This is universally applicable. Because if you don't say that we're referring to the ability to see as opposed to the eye itself, a small person, who kills a larger person, or a big person who kills a little person. When here we're not talking in age, we're talking in size. So how could we kill the person who attacked the other person, who murdered the other person? It has to be that the punishment here is equal to that which he caused to the other person. So if a large person kills a little person, so there was more. There was less person that's going to die than when, if we're going to kill the the big person as retribution. Therefore, inasmuch as that's true, it can't be that we're talking about the action performed, right? If we're talking about the action performed, the same way that the act of removal of an eye, in order for it to be the same action, it would have to be equal sizes. So too, if we're talking about the act of murder, it would have to be you murdered this much person. And here, if there's a disparity between how much of a person you killed, that wouldn't be an equal punishment. Therefore, says the Gemara, it has to be referring to the life. 
You took away the short person's life. So too, we'll take away the larger person's life. Even though the amount of person is different, the life, they're both alive, and now we're putting, one was murdered, so the guy who murdered will also take his life. So Hakanami, so too, when it comes for Ayin Tachas Ayin, Nahoro Shakominei, Nahoro Amirachmana Nishkominei. Inasmuch as the person took someone else's eye, even though they're different sizes, the same way he removed his ability to see, so too, as retribution, would remove his ability to see and give him the literal punishment of an eye for an eye. That's the Gemara pushing aside. So Rudestoy bin Yehuda wanted to say that inasmuch as eyes are all different sizes, Therefore, if we have to have equal punishments, the only way to do that is through a monetary payment. Comes on the Gemara and says, no, the way to make an equal payment is by talking about what occurred. Right? You took away his ability to see. So too, we'll take away your ability to see. You took away someone's life, even though you're different sizes. So we'll take away your life also. We're not focusing on the person, we're focusing on the function. So now this seems pretty straightforward. I'm saying the Makshan is saying a Svar Pshuta. You still even Yehuda, why are you focusing on the act that you that you did? Don't focus on the act that you did. Rather, focus on the function that you removed, the, the function that you took away. How did you impair him? That seems a Shaklavatarian. And that seems like a, a pretty basic Kasha on Rudistoy bin Yehuda. You know, so basic it makes you wonder what was Rudistoy bin Yehuda even thinking? Why would it be that we would focus on the act as opposed to what the act did to him, right? When a person's punished for murder, they're punished because they pulled a trigger or they're punished because they took a life. So they took a life. So why would we think removing an eye is different? So I'll tell you what I think. I don't see anyone talk about this. You know, if I was writing the Torah... I would write the Torah a little differently here, if I was the Makshin, if I was the person asking the question. The Torah says, Ayin tachas ayin, an eye for an eye. Now, if I'm going to take this to be literally, Ayin tachas ayin means the eye for the, for, for, the, for the eye. It doesn't say, what do I mean to say by that? I didn't say anything. I said eye for an eye, right? What I mean to say is that if I wanted to say, take the attacker's eye in lieu of the victim's eye, I should say, Enoi tachas eno, right? His eye for his eye. The attacker's eye for the eye of the victim. Eno tachas eno. Why doesn't the Torah say that? So it sounds like, in a certain way, that the Torah is focused not on what occurred to the individual, but rather that which it was that was attacked, that was which damaged. So it was damaged, an eye. So now when the Torah says eye, and the Torah says the same exact word later, the assumption is it's referring to the same thing. It's referring to the same thing. Eye, but sometimes it's not the same thing. Meaning to say, the fact the Torah expressed itself in a way where we're focusing on that which was damaged as opposed to the damages that occurred to the individual, and the Gemara, and the Torah, I'm sorry, reiterates an eye for an eye in a way that it uses the same exact language to refer to the eye of the victim as it did to the eye of the attacker. It could be the implication of the actual pasuk is that we're not discussing the function 
the individual loss, the Einoi, Eino doesn't say, Ayin. Referring to the, the body part. And therefore, the implication is if it uses the same exact language, that it's the same type of body part. So Ayin Tachas Ayin comes along with Destoy Ben Yehuda and says it's not always applicable. People have different size eyes. And therefore, how do you read the Pasuk? The Pasuk is Ayin Tachas Ayin. It doesn't say Einoi Tachas Einoi. If it said Einoi Tachas Einoi, I would agree to the, to, the, to the Makshim. I would agree to the one challenging me. But it doesn't say that. It says Ayin Tachas Ayin. Therefore, it's bigger, it's smaller, it's not the same thing. It has to be then, Mishpat Echot, that you pay money for the eye. Comes along the Makshin and says, no. Ayin Tachas Ayin, even within the Pshutal Shamikra, even within the basic text of the Gemara, and the text of the Chumash, I'm sorry, you could explain it as being the function, and I'll prove it to you from a person. Because the same way that we kill a person, even though they're different sizes, Nefesh Tachas Nefesh, Nonetheless, the different sizes, nonetheless, what did he take? He took his life. He took the function of the person. He didn't take his active body. He didn't take the damaged goods, the damaged goods being the person's body. No, he took his life. So too, when it comes to eyes, he took his life. That's how I would read the Shaklavataria here. Now, there's a fundamental issue with the Shaklavataria, besides what we discussed already, that's not limited to Rudisay ben Yehuda, but also in the next case that we're going to discuss, Rabbi Yochai. That being that here we have a brysa. A brysa. Brysa is authored by a tana. We know that if a tana says something, so someone in a murder can't disagree with a tana. If he brings a, a Tanaic source which disagrees with that which the tana says, so fine, very good, you brought a Tanaic source, it's a machlokas tanayim, and now you, the Amora, have the right to an opinion. But a tana says something in a brysa. How in the world can an Amorah come along and disagree with the logic? Who are you? You're an Amorah. You're an Amorah. You're Vina Ravashi. I agree. You canonized the, the Talmud. Very good. But you're not Rudistai ben Yehuda. You didn't make it in the Mishnah. You're not Rabbi Shimon ba Yochai. So if you're not a Tana, how can, from logic alone, from pure Svara, can Amorah come along and attack the veracity of a Brisa? It's a pella. Unbelievable. Now, in order to answer this question, I want to go back to the Rambam in Hilchus Chayvul Mazik, Perakalaf Alachavav. There, we saw the Rambam said that there was Halacha Lameshmi Sinai, there was a Kabbalah, Masara, that the din of Ayin Tachas Ayin meant money. It didn't mean literally. He also said it was testimony. Aid me paid from the Beisdin of Moshe Rabbeinu already, that no one ever, chas v'shalom, took someone's eye out because of damages incurred upon someone else. It was always money. Meaning to say, that if we have a halacha Sinai, we have a Kabbalah, we have a Masayra, we have a tradition, dating back to the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, what, what are we doing at all? Why are we looking for sources? Why do we have to find Ayin Tachasayin in the Chumash to bring a proof the proof is, because Allah Chalamish Misinai, how do I know my tefillin are black? Because Allah Chalamish Misinai, you have a proof, you have to find it in a pasuk. So, because it's totally unnecessary, I would like to propose that based off, let's say, like the Rambam, the Rambam stands here, so here would be an unbelievable proof to that, meaning to say that really the Gemara is not looking to source Ayin Tachas Ayin means Mamun. The Gemara knows that. The Gemara is a Masara for that. The Gemara has Allah Chalamish Misinai. That's fine, we're not proving it. 
The Gemara is trying to find an allusion to that concept. The Tanayim are trying to find a textual basis to find an allusion to the Halacha Lamesh that which we know is true. So there, in as much as this statement from the Brisa, Rav Destoy Ben Yehuda, Rav Shem Yochai, like we'll see soon, are not the basis of establishing a halacha, but all they're doing is sourcing, trying to source an allusion to that which we know is true already. So then, we're able, we, the Amarayim, are able to challenge that. There's svara, because their svara is not what's dictating halacha, it's only establishing that which we know to be true already. So that's what I want to bring out here, that maybe we found a precedent in this Gemara that if the, the Tana is not establishing Allah, rather all he's doing is sourcing a basis, an allusion to that din, to Allah, which we already know is true, that the Amaroyim have the ability to challenge. I'm basing that based off the Rambam. I brought you also from the Nanuka uh, Yosef. Nanuka Yosef is very bothered that uh, some of the Amaroyim bring here Gzera Shava. How can you bring a Gzera Shava to prove a Pasuk? A Gzera Shava has to be something which you tr- is received from tradition. You can't express it on your own. So he says here, from the shame in the name of the Mafarshim, the name of the commentaries, he says that, Anything that we know is actually true, that's the truth. But we don't have a support from it, from the Psukim. A person can go ahead and make his own derivations in order to bring and buttress that fact that we know to be true when we're just looking for a textual basis to support it. So again, we're not. what I want from here is that we're not looking here for uh, a makor to source this din. We're not trying to establish the, the din of mamun from the actual psukim themselves. The din of Mammon is going to be true even if we can't find a source in the psukim that we know from Allah Sinai, that we know from the times of Beisitin of What we're trying to do is find an illusion in the psukim. So according to the Mukha Yosef, we would have a basis to go ahead and find an illusion to what's going on here. And then the Maraim could challenge that illusion. So that's what the Sayyid Yehuda. Now let's start with Shimon Yochai. Shimon Yochai is at Sarat Tzura. It's going to be difficult, but in Mitz Hashem, we're going to get it clear. A lot of questions here, a lot of discussion in the So let's take it one step at a time. Tonya Idach. There was a different Tana who taught as follows. Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai says it's like this. Ayn Tachas Ayn Mamun. An eye for an eye means that you pay money for the eye that you damaged. You're going to say it really is referring to money? Maybe it's referring to the eye itself. I'll bring you a proof. Let's say he was a blind person, as a pre-existing blind person, who blinds someone else. Right? You have someone who's missing a hand, and he chops someone else's hand off. Someone who's missing leg. And he causes, he takes someone else's leg away, away from him. He cuts his leg off. So, How could I fulfill the din in eye for an eye? The Torah says we need a universal punishment. 
Mishpat Hashavalakulchim. It has to be a punishment which is universally applicable, something that we could give to everyone. So inasmuch as a blind person who blinds someone else, we can't blind him in return. Why not? Because he's blind already. Therefore, says Yochai, So we take his money. It has to be that. Because if it's not taking his money, there's no retribution possible for such an action. And that has to be. The Torah says, Ayin Tachas Ayin. So that's Reb Shimon Yochai's source. Es the Gemodro, and Reb Shimon Yochai. Amri Umay Kushya. Why is that difficult? Dilma, maybe, Heicha de Efsher Efsher, when it's possible to uphold the din, we'll uphold it. Whenever we can have the din of Mishpat Echad Yelachem, we'll do it. But Heicha Delay Efsher, but if it's impossible to have a fulfillment of the din of Mishpat Echad, Lo Efsher, Upatrinanay. Then, we can't apply the din and maybe you'll be exempt. Meaning to say, a blind person blinds somebody else. So normatively speaking, if the attacker could see, we'll blind him as his retribution. But here, since he's blind already, so our hands are tied. What can we do? Maybe he goes off scot-free. Who told you to take the pasuk out of its literal meaning, though? Who told you to say it's referring to money? Because if you don't agree to this logic of So then If a treifa, a person who's known to die, he's on his way to dying, he's sick, that kills a healthy person, right? He kills a person who's still assumed to be living for many, many more years. How could we go ahead and punish the treifa with the din of nefesh tachas nefesh. How could we give him capital punishment? He took away a full life. He took away a nefesh, which was, you know, on the path of living many, many more years, whereas he himself is on the way out. That's not fair. That's not nefesh tachas nefesh. And yet we know there's a concept called capital punishment. In the Torah, there is capital punishment. So even though there's a concept called capital punishment, even though it's not universally applicable, nonetheless, that concept exists. So therefore, it finishes the Gemaral, Wherever we can uphold this halacha of Mishpat Echod Yelachem will do it. And if we can't, we can't. And that's the Gemara's push aside. So the assumption of Rishim Yochai is that Mishpat Echod Yelachem necessitates a... an universal application of the punishment for the disgust Avera. Whereas the Makshin, the person challenging, the Gemara challenging, Rabbi Shemim Yochai, is assuming that's not true. Even if it's not universally applicable, if we could apply it in certain cases and other cases are exceptions, so maybe an exception is an exception. And I'll prove it to you from Trefa. Now the way we're explaining Trefa, the simple read, is that a treifa is different than a shalim. Why? My mashal for this is as follows. If like uh, you have a phone, and the phone's plugged in, so the phone, you know, can last forever. It's always going to run. You don't have to worry about the battery dying. But if you unplug the phone from the wall, so even right now, it's still alive. You can still use the phone. You know there's only a certain amount of time it could live without being plugged back in. That's my mashal for a shalim and a treifa. So if you're going to ask me, yeah, nefesh tachas nefesh, this guy is 45 and this guy is 35. 
and he's going to live another, you know, 75 years, and he's going to live another 85 years. So it's not nefesh, achas nefesh. That's not the point. The point is, are you plugged in or not? You're on the way out, or you're still, you're still at full throttle. So if you're a shalim, you're the phone that's plugged in. There's no reason to think there's any issues going on whatsoever, and you took him out. You took him out of his life expectancy. Whereas a chief is already unplugged from the wall. He's running on battery powder. There's only a limited amount of time. So there, how I'm going to start off reading the Gemara, how I would read the Gemara before seeing the Rishonim Nachrinim, is that there's a lack of nefesh tachas nafesh. The two lives aren't equal, because one's a shalim and one's a treifa. One's plugged in and one's unplugged, running on battery powder. And so even though it's usher to kill a treifa, there's a prohibition, no tirzach, you can't kill a treifa. Well, mechal Shabbos, to save one minute of a treifa's life. But in regards to this din of nefesh tachas nafesh, since he's already unplugged, so then it's not considered tantamount to the murder that he, that he did to the other person. So therefore, says the Gemara, it's not nefesh tachas nafesh. Not nefesh tachas nafesh, and nonetheless, there's a concept of capital punishment for people who aren't sheifas. Kash on you, And that's the Gemara. Unbelievable. Now, the problem with this is Rashi. Rashi, Rashi makes this so much more difficult, and we're going to have to try to explain why that is. As Let's go. Says Rashi, what do we do to him? This is going on the stage of the Gemara. The Gemara, when he first brings up this case, the proof that it says, says Rashi, this guy is on the way out. He's unplugged. And this is Edis, which we can't give a punishment to if we find the witnesses to be plotting. Now, what's this mean? There's a concept called In order to give testimony about someone else, the Torah necessitates that if you, the witnesses, are found to be lying, we can give you a punishment. Right? Now, that punishment is called What's Kashazam? means we give you tit for tat. So, for example, if two people were giving testimony that Ruvain killed Shimon, so what would that have caused us to do to Ruvain? We would have killed Ruvain as a murderer. Now, if we find out that these two witnesses were lying, then we'll kill these two witnesses for trying to kill for trying to kill Ruvain. Right? So that's called Kasha Zamam. So any time a person comes ahead and wants to give testimony, that testimony has to be what's called Yachullah Hazima. It has to be that we're able to give you two tit for tat if you're found to be liars. If you're found to be not saying honest testimony, we have to be able to punish you due to that testimony which you gave. Now, the reason for this being, I brought you two sources, Rashi and Psachim tells us it's a din in Edus. That Edus, this is, you know, what the Torah, in order to view it as valid Edus, a valid testimony, the testimony without a logic. Rashi Babakama Perik Maruba implies that the logic is because we want the Aiden to be afraid. We want the witnesses to be afraid. Now, why do we want them to be afraid? We want the witnesses to go in that when they're giving testimony, there's a certain, you know, seriousness. There's a certain sense of responsibility going into it. It's also a deterrent to make sure that they don't go ahead and lie and based in. So we want to create a certain situation where the Aiden themselves 
are somewhat nervous to give testimony. They have what to lose by giving false testimony. And by establishing that system, that also gives a credibility to the witnesses who are testifying. So comes along Rashi, and Rashi says, This treifa shahorog, a treifa, the guy is unplugged already, that kills a shalim, he kills a guy who's still plugged in. What can we do to him? The murderer is unplugged already. And now the witnesses, any witnesses who come to give testimony about the treifa shahorog is a shalim, we can't give them, they can't testify, they're invalid for testimony. Because what's going to happen? The Adam are going to be believed and will kill the Trefa. But what if those Adam are lying? If those Adam are lying, we have to give them the punishment they try to give the Trefa. But we can't give that punishment. The Trefa is already unplugged. The witnesses aren't unplugged. They're still Shalim. So says Rashi, there's a problem with the Adis. Because if we were to find the witnesses to be plotters, they were fake witnesses. So the Pturim, they're exempt from any punishment. Why? Because they're trying to kill a person who's already on the way out. And therefore, the Trefa Shaharag is also Potter because you technically can't give testimony on him. And that week he said already in Elamin Asrafin. Fine. So comes along Rashi. What's the Maya of Dina of the Gemara? What can we do to the Trefa Shaharog? We can't do anything because, inasmuch as it's impossible to give testimony about the Trefa Shaharog, therefore, therefore, we can't punish him. And if we can't punish him, that's a lack of Mishpat Echod because everyone in the world who kills someone gets Misa. Nefesh Tachas Nefesh. We kill him. But when it comes to a treifah shahorog, what's the din? He's potter. Why? Because we can't accept testimony. It's And therefore we see there's a lack of mishpat echad. And nonetheless, there's a punishment called nefesh shalchas nafesh. Kasha on you, Reb Shimon Yochoi. You want to say, ayin tachas ayin has to be manman. So it's universally applicable. We don't need universal applicability. And I can prove that to you from treifah. Because treifah, it's impossible to give testimony on. And nonetheless, we still have capital punishment for people who are not Shafas. That's Rashi's Gemara. Yeah. So Rashi, in a nutshell, we can prove to you you don't need universal pun- you don't need universal applicability, like Rav Shimba Yochai said. And his basis is that Shafa you can't give testimony on. And nonetheless, and nonetheless, there's a din of capital punishment. That's Rashi. Now Rabbi Kivega here in the Gilyan Ashas. Yes, he, tears, he shoots Rashi out of the sky. He asks as follows. Kashali, this is so difficult. Since this is testimony which you can't find the witnesses to be plotters, so then what? That's called, that means that there's no testimony whatsoever. And therefore we say, Maybe this guy, this Trefa, didn't really even kill. How do, I, how do I usually prove he killed? We have witnesses. Witnesses establish facts. But here I have no facts. Why? Because I have no witnesses. So I'm Cain. So if that's true, my parchinon. What's the Gemara's question on Rabbi Shimon Yochoi? Hashapem eskai mishpat echod. For sure, maybe here, maybe also here we have a din of mishpat echod. Except we exempt him because there's no edis that he, gave te- that he killed him. And so it needs further investigation. 
In other words, what's the Bikiveger asking? The Bikiveger asking is as follows. Mishpat Echad means that for every punishment, for every, I'm sorry, for every Avera, there's one punishment. You kill someone, so therefore, if someone transgresses the Tirzuch, there's a punishment. What's that punishment? Nefesh Tachas Nefesh. Fine. Now, that has to be across the board, according to Rabbi Shemayel Every person who kills, he's liable for the din of Nefesh Tachas Nefesh. Ask Rabbi Eger, you know, what's the din if a sholim, a healthy person, kills someone else? Nefesh Tachas Nefesh. Now, what happens if there's no Edim? Does that mean that the din of a sholim who kills isn't Nefesh Tachas Nefesh? No, obviously it's still Nefesh Tachas Nefesh. He's a Shalim, he killed, obviously we kill him back. Right. I so how come we didn't do it here? We didn't do it here because there was no testimony, there was no witnesses. Fine. So every Trefa, if the problem of Trefa is that he can't give testimony, so maybe really the din of a Trefa who kills is also Nefesh Tachas Nefesh. And therefore, it's really Mishpat Echod Yelachem. I we don't we're not able to act on it. It's a of dinanay. We can't kill him. So who cares? What's that to do with mishpat echod? Mishpat echod means for every avera there's one punishment which goes across the board. So for murder lo there's one punishment. It's called nefesh takas nafesh. It goes across the board even for a treifa. I what are you going to ask? It's edushi atachol hazima. There's no testimony on it, so we can't kill him. You're right. It's a technicality in edus though. It's not saying that there's a different punishment. For a Trefa Shaharog, Trefa Shaharog is always going to get Nefesh Tachas Nefesh. Technically, we're not going to be able to implement it because there's something lacking in the testimony. The same way, when a healthy person, Chas Shalom, kills someone else, if we're lacking testimony, we can't implement Nefesh Tachas Nefesh, it doesn't mean that it didn't Nefesh Tachas Nefesh is not true. It's still true. So, so Riki Vegas is going to According to you, Rashi, Rashi, how you're explaining the question of the Gemara, there's no question. Rabbi Shumba Yochai says, you need universal applicability in order to have Mishpat Echod. Kishmak. It's the Makshin. What are you going to do with Trefa Shaharog? You can't give testimony about the Trefa. And therefore what? You can't give testimony. But at least, it's still Mishpat Echod. At least, the Din is Nefesh Achas Nefesh. So yes, Rabbi Kiva Eger, how do you read the question of the Gemara? What's the Gemara asking? Maybe I'll tell you, the oil on the Din of Trefa Shaharog is nefesh tachas nefesh, and you can't you can't implement it. But why is that a contradiction to the halacha of mishpat echad? That's Rabbi Kivegi's kasha and Rashi. This kasha is an atom bomb. It's unbelievable. This kasha mamish knocked the the socks off of Rashi. Yeah. So now comes on Rabbi Kivegi in chidushim in. Uh, and he says as follows. He says, you know what? If it wasn't for Rashi, I'm not going to read it inside because I, want, uh, I don't want to lose time here. I want to make sure we have time for everything. But comes along Rabbi Kiveger and he says, if it wasn't for Rashi, this is how I would explain the Gemara. He would say as follows. What's the din of Trefa Shaharog? Trefa Shaharog in front of Beisdin. No, Edith. A Trefa cuts up in front of Beisdin. And a beast and watches him murder someone else. So the Gemara Sanhedrin teaches us, what do we do? We kill him. We kill the Trefa. We didn't what do we kill the Trefa? What halachic precedent do we have in order to kill the Trefa? 
The din is You should burn. You should extract. You should, uh, you should get rid of all the bed with, from within your midst. Comes on Rabbi Kiva and says as follows. What's the kasha of the Gemara? The kasha of the Gemara is Mishpat Echad Yelachim. Rabbi Shimon Bar says it has to be universally applicable. Says the Gemara, no, it's not true. Whenever it's able to be universally applicable, we'll make it as such. But if it's not universally applicable, we're not limited to it, and I'll prove it to you. Why? Shefa Shaharug. What's Shefa Shaharug? The Gemara tells us that the re- the basis for us to kill a Shefa is not midin nefesh tachas nafesh. The halachic reason to kill him is not because of nefesh tachas nafesh. The halachic reason to kill him is because of by virtue of the fact that the Gemara has to come on to and it can't utilize the pasuk of nefesh tachas nafesh is indicative of the fact that Trefa has a different punishment than a Shalim, than a healthy person. So it comes along the Gemara and he asks as follows. You want to tell me that what? That you need universal applicability. I prove to you from Trefa, Shahorog, that we kill him from the din of Yatarami Kebecha. And from the fact that we see that there's a separate reason, a separate obligation of retribution outside of Nefesh Tachas Nafesh for a Trefa than we have for a Shalim, that's the biggest proof. There's no din in Mishpat Echad Yelachem. A beautiful way to read the Gemara. A beautiful way. He brings a Gemara, proves Trefa. Unbelievable. Ah, you need a new source? So it's not Nefesh Tachas Nafesh. Beautiful. And now, there's a real challenge on Mishpat Echad, because now I brought to you, I brought to you a source that for one Aveira, the Aveira of Lotirzach, there's two different tracks of punishment. One track is a track of a Shalim. A Shalim gets Nefesh Tachas Nafesh. And the other track, the track of a Trefa, is Ubiyata Rami Kebecha. Where's the Mishpat Echad? So Elamai, Echida Efshar Efshar, when it's possible to have Mishpat Echad, we do that. Echida Lo Efshar, but if we can't do it, Lo Efshar, we can't do it. So, so too, Ayin Tachasayin. How can you prove to me Ayin Tachasayin means it has to be Mamun? Maybe this also falls into the category of Heichadah Efshar Efshar. And Heichadah Lo Efshar Lo Efshar. So if he's blind and he blinds someone else, maybe he goes scot-free. Why not? A ban kash on Rashi, a beautiful mahalach. So now that we established these difficult, this, this kasha on Rashi and this mahalach of Rabbi how I see it, there's three things we have to address. Number one, we have to address, Rabbi Kivayga said so good, he's such it's a, a smooth approach to the Gemara, why would it be that Rashi wouldn't explain the Gemara like Rabbi Kivayga? How come he has to introduce this concept of Eidah Shiatavalazima? Who mentioned Eidah here? We're talking about murder, so talk about murder, it's like Rabbi Kivayga. That's number one. So why did Rashi not say like Rabbi Kivayga? Number two, even if we explain why Rashi didn't explain like Rabbi Kivegar, how do we answer up for Rabbi Kivegar's kasha? At the end of the day, Rabbi Kivegar has a bam kasha. There's a technicality here. So who told you that we're not killing, the treif is not chayiv for nefesh tachas nafesh, and there's no lack of the din of mishpat echod? Maybe 
it really is nefesh tachas nafesh, and just there's a technical issue that we can't implement it. How do we answer that if we're Rashi? And number three is, what does Rabbi Shimon Yochai do with the case of Shreifa? At the end of the day, the Makshin has a source. His source is Shreifa. So what does Rabbi Shimon Yochai do with the source of Shreifa? Those are our three issues that we're going to have to address. So now, in regards to the first issue, why did Rabbi Shimon Yochai I'm sorry, why did Rashi not want to learn the Gemara like Rabbi Kiva Eger? So I want to go back into the Gemara. Look inside with me. Ask the Gemara as follows. Look at the Lushan of the Gemara, the language of the Gemara. We're in the Makshan. What's the difficulty? Whoever can have Mishmedech will have it. If we can't, we can't. And we'll exempt him. Why? If you don't say such, if you don't say as such, so treifa shaharugas hashalim, a treifa that kills a, a a healthy person, asks the Gemara, "My avdinan lei, what do we do to him? What do we do to him?" Now the implication of the language of "my avdinan lei" meaning is means, "What do we do to him? Our hands are tied. There's nothing we can do to him. He's untouchable. He's a treifa. My avdinan lei. How can we? How could we?" Get involved with the treifa. There's nothing we can't touch him. He's my he, he, There's nothing to do. We're stuck. According to the Rebbe Eger, what's my avdinanei mean? Rebbe Eger would say, "My avdinanei." I'll answer you, Rebbe Eger. We, we kill him. We kill him. What do you mean, my avdinanei? We kill the guy. No, but we kill him from the din of biyataramikebecha. You're right. We kill him for because of the din of biyataramikebecha. So that's really the question according to Rabbi Kiveger. The question really is, what, do we, what can we do to him in regards to the context of nefesh tachas nafesh? That's the question. It's not my avdin and lay, what can we do to him, our hands are tied. The question really is, how can, we, how can we punish him? How can we implement the punishment of nefesh tachas nafesh? So Rabbi Ve'eger's approach here, first of all, is not Medeic in the, in the Gemara itself. The Gemara expresses Mayavdin and Lei, which implies our hands are tied. There's nothing practically we could do whatsoever. And yet, in Rabbi Ve'eger's pshat, we can do a lot. We can even kill him. Just, we're not killing him, Midin, Nefesh Shachas Nafesh. We're killing him, Midin, Uviyatara Mikabechol. And therefore, the Gemara really should ask, not Mayavdin and Lei, according to Rabbi Ve'eger. It should really ask, Hechi Dainin and Lei, Benefesh Shachas Nafesh. So that, I want to source number one. The first reason I want to give why Rashi chose not to learn like Rabbi Kivegar is the, Gemara's, the, the, the read of the Gemara is not like Rabbi Kivegar. Even though in Savara it works very, very smoothly, in the precise reading of the Gemara, the Mayav Dinonlei, doesn't ring, ring like Rabbi Kivegar. If you learn Eidash Yatakol Azima, you're stuck. There's nothing you're doing. Based in can't move. That'd be my first approach. My second approach... I'll tell you of a piece from the Mincha Shleimer, Rishlema Zaman Arabach. And it goes as follows. What's the din of Viyata Harami Kebechal? You should destroy the evil from within your midst. What is that? One way to understand it is that it's a unique din, a kawach, a schus, a merida-based din, that they have the ability, under certain circumstances, to uphold society, to make society safe. To make sure bad things don't remain within our midst. The same way a king 
There's a dispensation the Rambam brings in Hilchas Malachim that a king is able to kill someone in order to uphold the kingdom, the security of the kingdom. Bastin has the right, under certain circumstances, which the Gemara dictates, it has the right to kill someone in order to uphold society. Independent in. That's one way to understand. The other way to understand is, no, really, is not an independent in. is a subcategory, it's an offshoot of the din nefesh tachas nafesh, meaning to say, under circumstances where really, in theory, the person should be killed, just due to technical reasons, we're not able to implement the death penalty. So here, the Torah gave a dispensation that under certain circumstances, even though through the judicial system we won't be able to try them for capital punishment, Beisdin can exercise the Ubiyata Ramikevecha card, and through that card, it can go ahead and kill someone, give them the capital punishment which they're really required to have, just got exempted from through a technicality. It's not like this. Those are two approaches. They're two very different approaches. An independence, merit, schus, koach of Beisdin to uphold society, or is an extension of the din, nefesh tachas nafesh, that Beisdin can still give capital punishment in light of technical difficulties. Now as follows. Rebik Eger Avada has to learn that the two totally separate dinim. What's his question? The fact that we come on Utebiyata Rabbikir Becho, as opposed to nefesh tachas nafesh, tells me that what? We don't have a mishpat echo. There's not a universal punishment here. There's actually two totally different punishments. The only way that there's two different punishments is if ubiyata haramikebecha is an independent, an independent means of executing punishment that's separate from the din of nefesh tachas nafesh. If that's true, Rabbi Kedeger has a beautiful question. But if the din of ubiyata haramikebecha is an extension of the din nefesh tachas nafesh and it can only be implemented when there's really already a pre-existing chiv misa, just technically speaking, we can't implement it. So now... Let's say Rashi held like that. What would happen? Comes along the Gemara. The Gemara says, is nefesh tachas nafesh. So great. We kill him because of That's an expression of nefesh tachas nafesh. Beautiful. So where's the question? There is mishpat echod. Why? Because the shalom who kills, we kill him because of nefesh tachas nafesh. The parent category. And the treifa that kills, we kill him because of Uviyatara which is the take two of Nefesh Tachas Nafesh. So really, both of them are getting killed as, as, from the din of Nefesh Tachas Nafesh. So if that would be the case, if the Gemara is really asking from Uviyatara Mikabecha, and Rashi assumes that Uviyatara is an extension of Nefesh Tachas Nafesh, there's no contradiction to the din of Mishpat Echod. Everyone's getting killed from the din of, Mishpat, of from Nefesh Tachas Nafesh. Therefore, Rashi couldn't learn like Rabbi Kivagar. Rashi would have to learn a whole different approach. So it comes along Rashi and says, Beautiful. So those are two different approaches to explain why, why Rashi wouldn't want to learn like Rabbi Kivagar. The first approach being the Gemara is not Madiyak like Rabbi Kivagar. My Abdina name means our hands are tied. It doesn't mean that how do we don him in regards to Nefesh Tachas Nafesh. Or. Number two, a fundamental machlikas, and what's the nature of the din of Yataramik Abecha? Rebbe Kiveger learns Al Derech Rambam, and to go through this Rambam with you, Rishmul Rozovsky has a piece on this Rambam that is what?
It's a din for based in the uphold society, keep society in check. And therefore, the chafer gets a proof that what? Two totally distinct punishments for the same Aveira. Kasha, no mishpat echod. Whereas according to Rashi, he couldn't learn that way because if he learns that Ubiyat is an extension of the din of Nefeshtachas Nafesh, so then the chafer is also getting killed due to Nefeshtachas Nafesh, and it's really mishpat echod, so there's no question. Therefore, Rashi had to introduce Eidash Yatachod Azima. So that's two ways to answer question number one. Why didn't Rashi want to say, like, like, Rebbe Kiva Eger? Question number two. Question number two. How, so what's Rashi doing at the end of the day with the question? The end of the day, Rebbe Kiva Eger is a Bam Kasha. Rebbe Kiva Eger's Kasha is maybe Trefa is also liable for Nefesh Tachas Nafesh, and a technicality in Hilchas Eidus and the laws of testimony, this allows us to give it to him. So, in regards to this, there's a Chazanish here in Lekutim, Lekhish and Mishpot. It says as far as follows. What? Is there a concept of a punishment being high even a punishment which we can never practically give to you? Can we, can we say you're high in a punishment if you can never get it? In a practical sense. So it comes along, the Chazanishan says, it's obvious that you can't say that such a thing. It's meaningless. To say a person is liable in the death penalty, but can never practically get it, so then that means that they're not liable in the death penalty. There has to be a practical application, a practical manifestation of the law, of the halacha, in order to say that the law applies to you. So it comes along, the Chazanishan says as follows. Rashi is saying, it's Eidash Yetachol when it comes to Trefa. So what are you going to say, Rabbi Kiva Eger, that in, you know, in philosophy, really he's liable for nefesh tachas nefesh. But, but we live in the Ilam HaMaisa. The Torah is a law book. So what's the law? You're telling me in theory, Rabbi Kiva Eger, that he really could be liable for nefesh tachas nefesh. But practically speaking, that is no manifestation. Aye, there's no manifestation. So then you can't tell me it's a technicality. If there's no manifestation ever, says the Chazanish, that's called, that there's no application of it also. Aye, there's no application of it, so then we have a problem. So this question of Rebbe Eger is making the assumption that we're willing to hear that you're chayiv for a certain punishment, even if that punishment can never be applied practically. And therefore Rebbe Eger stuck, Rashi, there's a technicality here in the testimony, but really, maybe Chayiv is also chayiv. They're saying no. If there's a technicality which disallows the that practical application under all circumstances, then there can't be a law dictating that's your punishment. Therefore, Eidashiyatachalazima is a reason why we won't have a Mishpat Echod. That's the Gemara's Kasha, according to Rashi. So that's question number two. How do we answer up for Rabbi Kiva's Kasha? Rabbi Kiva Eger is making an assumption, the assumption being that you can be liable for a punishment you can never get. And we're answering that maybe Rashi's assuming a straightforward swara, that if it's a punishment you can never get, that's not called a punishment that you can, you're liable for either. Now, question number three. Right? You need one mishpat shavlakulchem. We have a case of trefa. Trefa is a different din. 
So how can that be? So Tirzach. So Tirzach. So how do we answer up for Rav Shimon How does he understand the case of Shreifa? So now, in order to do this, I want to bring you, I want to tell you a sugya. I want to tell you a tesis. I didn't give it to you in the source sheets, I apologize. Slicha mechila. If you want to look at it, you're going to put me on pause. Put me on pause. I want you to see the first Mishnah in Mesechus Makas and the first Tursus in Mesechus Makas. All right? Put me on pause. Now, we finished. You just saw it. Unbelievable. So let's review what the Mishnah Makas says. And the Mishnah says is a person called the Ben Garusha, the son of a Gorush. Right? If a Kohen has relations with a Garusha, that's an Isra Daraisa, that's a Lav, it's a prohibition. The son of that relations is called the Ben Garusha. Now, if someone, two people give testimony that Mr. Cohen is the son of a Cohen and a Gerusha, so that he becomes, that Mr. Cohen becomes, it's called a Halal. He becomes a desecrated Cohen. He cannot do any of the service in the Mikdash. Aser. Each Truma, Aser. So now, now what happens if two Adim, two witnesses come, and they testify that Mr. Cohen is a Ben Gerusha, and we find that these two Adam are Adam Zimim and they were planning their lying. So the din of the Mishnah is they get Malkus. We give them Malkus. So, beautiful. Two people, Adam Zimimin, testify. A coin is a Ben Garusha. They found it to be liars. They give them Malkus. Ask Tursus Akasha. How could we ever accept testimony that someone's a Ben Garusha? Haloi, that's Eidashiyatachal Azima. Why? Why is it Eidashiyatachal Azima? Because, let's play it out. The two Adim give testimony that Ruving, Mr. Cohen, is the son of a, of a Gerusha and a Cohen together. If that's true, so now we find you plotters. What do we do to the witnesses? We make them a Ben Gerusha Ben Chalutza. The witnesses have to be Kohanim? Who, who are these witnesses? I could talk about their mother. I know what their mother was. I know the mother. Not a Ben Gerusha. What, is something which is in the fantasy land? Obviously not. So what do you do? You give them Malkus. How is Malkus a fulfillment of Yochul Hazima? That's Tursus' question. So Tursus has two answers, and the answer are follows. The fact that you get Malkus is, yes, called Yochul Hazima. Why? Because Yochul Hazima is supposed to create a certain ima, a certain ser- seriousness, a certain credibility for the Edim due to all of that. And since you're getting Malkus, Malkus is tantamount to Edis Ben Gerusha Ben Chalutza. The Chirim say different reasons. Why? Because a Gorish with a Kohen, a Gerusha with a Kohen, I'm sorry, is Chive Malkus, Chayve Lavin. Or because of a, a, a Ben Gerusha eats Truma, he's is over on a Lav, he's Chayve Malkus. Whatever the reason being, this relationship, this be, being a state of a Ben Gerusha, halachically is tantamount to Chayve Lavin. So therefore, Malkus is on the same plane of severity as. Testimony on a Ben Garusha. That's Tursus' first answer, and therefore you have Yachal Hazima because they're going to get Malkus at the end of the day. The answer number two is you don't need Yachal Hazima. Why? Because if it's a type of Adis that inherently is impossible to have Yachal Hazima, and nonetheless there's a punishment for it, therefore it must be that the Torah didn't mandate this condition of Yachal Hazima in order to have kosher Adis. That's Tursus' second answer. So how can a person give testimony about Ben Gerusha Ben Chalutza? Either the Malkus himself suffice for Yochel Azima, or you don't need it when it's impossibility. So now, let's talk about Shreifa. Edith on a Shreifa. Is that called Yochel Azima or not? 
So, I would say as follows. Let's go, there's two ways, right? You always need Yochel Hazima. And therefore, when it comes to Shefer, you always need Yochel Hazima. And since it's impossible to kill a Shefer the same way that we go ahead and kill everyone else, so then the Shefer is going to be exempt. What can we do? It's not Yochel Hazima. We need Yachal Hazima. There's no way to make it tantamount to the murder he committed. By Ben Gerush and Ben Chalutza, we can make it tantamount, right? We give a Malkus. And there's a halachic comparison based off the severity of each one. But when it comes to Trefa and a regular person, there's no equal playing ground that we could put on him. And therefore, he's exempt. It's not Yachal Hazima. That's one way to go. The other way to go is no. You don't need Yachal Hazima. So it's an impossibility for there to be Yachol Hazima. Therefore, I can accept the testimony. And since I accept the testimony, that means that even without Yachol Hazima, we can give we can give Edus here. We can give we can bear witness to what occurred. It's not even though it's not Yachol Hazima. Now, what would be the understanding between these two ways? The understanding is follows. Let's say I have a concept. The concept is murder. Now, is murder something which, within the general category of murder, this is something which is Yachol Hazima? The answer is, absolutely yes. Why not? Someone gives testimony about someone else killing, so if they were liars, we'll kill them too. Not a problem. Now, what happens if we have different categories of people within one type of edus? Yeah, we have a Kohen who killed, we have a Yisrael who killed, there's different people. Do different people make it so that we view the category, that it's a categorically a different type of edus, and therefore we have to discern whether or not we need Yochel Azima here, is Yochel Azima applicable, or is it not a different category of edus? So I'm going to say as follows. If you hold that, like the first answer of Tisvis, you always need Yachol Hazima. And that's why we come up with a Chiddush that Malkus a tantamount to Ben Garusha. So, so too, when it comes to Trefa, what? We need Yachol Hazima. We always need Yachol Hazima. And since we can't have Yachol Hazima by Trefa, it has to be that he's exempt. The understanding is that Edis on Ritzicha is something which is, yes, Yachol Hazima. The fact that you, as an individual, technically don't have the ability to be, to create Adam Zimimim. So that's a technicality by you. And therefore, you, within the framework of the general principle of Lotirzach, of Nefesh Tachas Nafesh, you'll be an exception to the rule, and we won't be able to accept testimony for you. That would be the understanding of Yochal Hazima according to Rabshim Ba Yochai. Meaning Rabshim Ba Yochai who says that when it comes to the Ayin Tachas Ayin. At Ayin Tachas Ayin, when it comes to a Suma, if the Din was Papa's eye out, that would be a stira to Mishpat Echad. Why is it a stira to Mishpat Echad? So since we see from the Din of Trefa, that when it comes to Trefa, we understand that there's a, an opinion that it, a Sug Acher Shal Odom, even if you're a different type of person, that doesn't qualify as a suga It's not a different type of edus. And therefore, 
if under those circumstances it's Eino Yachad Hazima, so then that proves to us that if you say a treifa is Eino Yachad Hazima, that means that a treifa is not categorically a different type of edus. The type of Adam doesn't make it a different type of edus. The type of Adam doesn't make it a different type of edus. So then the fact that every person who is under that category doesn't get the same punishment would be a contradiction to Mishpat Echad. Aye, it's a contradiction to Mishpat Echad. So then, it comes along with Shimon Bar Yochai and says that therefore it has to be that the punishment of Ayin Takas Ayin is Mamun. Because there, the assumption is that Shimon is assuming that the fact that you're a Suma, you're a different type of person, doesn't take you out of the category of Ayin Takas Ayin. It doesn't make you a different type of Edis. Whereas, if you held that when it came to a trefa, so there, we don't need Yachol Azima. Why wouldn't we need the Yachol Azima? We wouldn't need Yachol Azima because a different type of person would, yes, be considered a different type of Edis. Therefore, if a different type of person is, yes, considered a different type of Edis, even if you got a different punishment, that wouldn't be a contradiction to the din of Mishpat Echad. So therefore, any person who would learn that the fact that you're a Summa and not getting the same punishment as every other person, if that's not a contradiction to the din of Mishpat Echad, it must be that a Summa categorically is a different type of Edis. And therefore, that would be the assumption of the Makshin. The Makshin who's asking on Rabshim and Yochai, you're telling me that from the fact that a Summa can't get the same punishment as someone else, that's a contradiction to Mishpat Echad. Maybe Mishpat Echad is Heichet Afshar Afshar, Heichet Elo Afshar Lo Afshar. That would mean that the Svar of Heichet Afshar Afshar is telling me that only when it's Afshar, due to the Sug Odom that you are, that's when you're categorically fit within that same type of Edus. But if the type of person you are is considered categorically a different type of Edus, so that's considered low Afshar. And therefore it's low Afshar because the category of person that you are. That would mean that you're a different type of Edus, you're a different type of Edus. So in the fact that the Din of Ayin Tachas Ayin literally wouldn't apply to you, doesn't contradict the din of Mishpat Echad, because Mishpat Echad is limited to one category of Edis. So that would be the machlekes here between Rav Shemba Yochai and the Makshin. Rav Yochai is assuming that a different type of person doesn't constitute a different type of Edis, and therefore in order to have Mishpat Echad, we would need that all of the people who are in that category of Edis, would it be able to get the same punishment? And the reason he understood that was because he could prove that from the din of Yochel Azima, that we always need Yochel Azima across the board, like the first answer of Tesis and Malchus, that says that Ben Gurusha Ben Gurusha is, yes, Yochel Azima, because it's tantamount to Malchus, that proves that a different type of person isn't constitute a different type of Edis, whereas the Makshin would assume that Eno Yochel Azima maybe is not a steer to Mishpat Echad, because a different type of person, yes, constitutes a different type of Edis. The reason why he knew that was because when it came to Ben Gerusha, Ben Chalutza, you don't need Yachol Hazima. The reason being, because 
Yochel Azima only applies where Shaykh was viable. And when it comes to Trefa, that would mean you don't need Yochel Azima because a different type of person makes it a different type of Edith. Okay, Yashukayach.